You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. We're not going to do Lectio today. We're going to read just the passage and talk about it, if that's okay with you. This passage, this is like a strange reading for the lectionary, because it's like, I don't know why they picked just these five verses in Job. Because you really need the whole story to understand even what's happening. So we're going to talk about that for a little bit and talk about the questions that it poses. But someone allowed, read it once. We only need one volunteer. Come up and get the microphone to do it. Anyone want to read from Job chapter 19 here? On Zoom too? Can I ask someone on Zoom to read? How's that? Just so we, uh, you know, I want to feel your presence in, in the room. In this room. I don't. Woo! <laughs> What's that? I felt that. I felt something in the room. All right, Cass is going to do it. Zoom, you're going to have to participate later. Oh, that my words were written down. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with the iron pen and with lead they were engraved on a rock forever. For I know that my vindicator lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, then my flesh I shall see God. Then in my flesh I shall see God, for whom I shall see on my side and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. Let's pray together. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. Or shall we say, O Lord, my God and my Vindicator? I liked the uh, passage. I like the translation of Vindicator, so I kept it here from the New Standard Revised Version of the Bible. Job is a book about a pious man who was tested to keep his faithfulness to God by enduring a lot of suffering. It is a strange tale. It is a, it is a tale that's based on ancient Near Eastern thought. It's based on Babylonian thought. It's based on all sorts of ideas are coming together here. This is not an uncommon story. The devil and God have a conversation where the devil suggests that Job will not be faithful because Job has been blessed with resources and wealth and all these things. And if he loses all that and suffers, then he will not be faithful. And in this 19th chapter, Job is saying, for I know that my vindicator lives, that in the end he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, then in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see on my side, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. Job is keeping the faith, despite his friends telling him not to. So Job continues to be faithful. He'll go on to ask God questions that God will say you have no right to ask. 
And that is how this problem is resolved in Job. That God is bigger than we are, that God understands the world more than we do, and when we are mysteriously in pain or suffering, God is, God's magnitude suffices to answer our question. And I think that's an okay answer. But it's frustrating too. And I'm okay with it being an okay answer for Job and for the audiences of Job. I don't think it's the final answer the Bible even offers on it. You know, we just sang Rock of Ages, Clefts for Thee. You know, with this. Can we go back? Can I get some, you know, power here? I love this. I love this. I love this hymn. It's my favorite hymn. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. The atonement of Jesus answers the question of suffering in a different way. That God will cause suffering to cease. It doesn't ask the origin. It solves the problem though. It's an interesting way of going about it. And I would say that in Christian faith, we hold the mystery because we know the promise. We know what's coming. We don't know how we got here. And God is with us in our suffering and in our pain. And for me, that is sufficient. God suffered. I don't know why I suffer. I don't know why we suffer. But I know that God suffers with me. And that God will save me from my suffering. That I know. I will hold on to what I know and contemplate the things that I don't. We can go back, Luke. But this is the question that Job asks. Can God be both good and almighty? What do you think? Jordan, can God be both good and almighty? What's the, what's the Eastern Orthodox answer to that question? You don't know? <laughs> what do you think? How do you work it out? This is totally unprompted. This is why he's mad at me right now. <laughs> I mean, I think that we have to like, make distinctions between things that aren't Goodness and being, yeah. being uh, benevolent and omnipotent. We, we, we often face, we face the like challenge of like we know our intentions. You know, we have our powers and our our inclinations towards goodness. And sometimes those things are in conflict. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think you know, like you said, it's, God God's entering into suffering and weakness. I think is the way that His power is manifested. So. I mean, I think my, the way that I see it is that I ask another question, like, does God have to be bad to be almighty, or does God have to cause pain to be almighty? Like, so... Does God have to be responsible for suffering in order to be almighty? Yeah, yeah. 
I guess that's a better way to say. And so, I mean, the answer for me is like, I don't know, that feels mysterious. And of course, like, I, like I feel like I'm a good parent. And I also like, cause suffering for my children. Well, perceived suffering for them. Like, you know, so like, why, why, yeah, I think that, that those are the thoughts that come from me. Laurel, what do you think? I literally was thinking on her wavelength. Okay, tell me about it. Like, we're looking at this as an adult, which I thought was a kid. Like, is the person responsible for me? Is God responsible for me? Responsible for the good and bad? Even though they have perceived power over me? Mm-hmm. And so, I'm still trying to grapple with that. Like, technically, if I'm answering that question, I would say yes. But that good doesn't negate feeling like, or having, doesn't negate pain. Hey, Bryant, are you there? Bryant has a good answer to this question. I don't know. I'm not saying your answers were bad. He has. That's not what I was saying. See. I just want to hear it. He has a. He has a. He has a unique thought. That's not. That's not. You want to repeat the question? Okay. Never mind. I'm just kidding. Can God be both good and Almighty? else on Zoom want to try their hand? Anyone else in the room here? You all are smart, so I know you have some thoughts about this. Now go ahead, Damien. God can be both good and almighty, for sure. We wrestle with it because we see suffering around us and it's hard to understand it. Any more you want to say? If you don't want to be called on, let me know because I'm just going to start calling on you. (laughs) Well, if someone came to you in your cell and asked you this question, what would you answer?
part of that makes me want to be a Christian more because I want to be a part of whatever I can be a part of to like make the world a place where more goodness happens. And I actually do think that being together with God helps us do that. Yeah, for sure. I don't know is a good answer. Jesus asks this question in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hey, if you can take this cup from me, if I don't have to suffer, please do it. There's confusion, there's doubt, there's wonder, there's sadness. Jesus asks it in his own humanity and experiencing suffering. You know, he has an existential crisis. I've told these stories before, but I want to do it again. I'm going to be more specific than I have been. My my best friend's brother, Jason, killed himself when he was 21 years old. I want you to know that this material is graphic. So if you need space from it, you can take the space now, whether you're on Zoom or in the room. You can leave if you don't want to hear about this. It's about suicide. I already said that. Sorry for alarming you if I did. He killed himself when he was 21 in his parents' pool. And he is paranoid. He suffered from paranoia. And it got bad. And the health insurance and the medical system in the U.S. was not helpful. He could only be admitted when he was a threat to himself, vocally. And then he was released once he said he wasn't. He knew how to do the system. He knew how to go into the institution say the right things, and then leave. And he thought the hospital and the medication were all part of the elaborate system of control and manipulation and conspiracy that he thought many of us were subject to. And I want to be very clear about something. This is a separate issue. But I want to say it. The politicians who prey on people and give them conspiratorial ideas despite knowing better put paranoid people at greater risk. They feed their, their, their sickness. They give them fuel. It is, is a public health issue. You know, like Mastriano and QAnon, they are causing a public health dilemma, seriously. It's not good for people. This person would have, he already did take his life. And more will because of things like that. So to free his parents and his friends from his shadow system, he killed himself and made it seem like he drowned in his parents' pool. Horrible story. His mother said to me, because I was presiding over the funeral, a family friend, it was early on in my life as a pastor, like the, you know, I was, I was a baby, baby boy. She struggled with the question, with her faith. She needs to be reassured, my son's in heaven. And I need to be reassured that God, not only did God not will this to happen, that God had no knowledge that it might and no powers to intervene. I can't follow a God that could have and didn't, that knew and didn't. I'm not doing that, she said. If if God knew and didn't stop this, then God is not good.
So she could not have God be good and all-powerful. It was not going to work for her. We sometimes say that God is omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, everywhere, all at once, and omniscient, and knowledge of all things. She could not have God be omnipotent and all omnipotent and omniscient, all-knowing and all-powerful. An all-powerful God and an all-knowing God that lets bad things happen isn't benevolent. So she was faced with this problem. Lose her faith as she knows God or succumb to a confusing God that killed her son. Or at least knew of her son's choice and withheld stopping his death for some otherworldly reason. To use Kaz's example, if a parent can stop the child from getting hurt, they will do whatever it takes to do it. We do our best as parents. We're not all powerful, but we do our best. All that's within our power to prevent our children from suffering harm. And when we don't, when we're at our wit's end, when we fail to prevent them from suffering, we count that as a, as a failure, a limitation, something we couldn't do anymore. It's painful, it's hard. My mother suffered when my dad went to prison, jail, after, after, after being accused of certain crimes. He spent six months in jail. She needed mom, she's talking to me, needed God to be in control of that. God has to bring this to a good end. Something good has to happen here. God has to be in control of this. The anthem of comfort, Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for the good for those who love God were called according to his purpose. She needed that to be true. My dad suffering in jail to her had no reason. She could not imagine any reason that God would allow this besides working towards some ultimate good. And she doesn't have that answer, by the way. Still. It was elemental for God to be in meticulous control of the situation. Which allowed her to peaceably, to be, to peaceably act peaceably about it. God needed to be all-powerful. Whereas my friend's mom, God couldn't be all-powerful. Her violence and anger was present. She was, she was frustrated and angry. And only her, her anger at the injustice that she perceived was only curbed by her belief in the sovereignty of God. She trusted that God had bigger plans, so she was able to respond with some peace and comfort. Her theology was important to that response. And that's the mystery. Two stories about God's power and God's goodness, two different cases, two different needs, both personal and not abstract summary of God. We will conclude differently about this based on our experience. Right? The cell leader will listen to the person's story and offer to them what they need. 
That's how I approach it. That's an insufficient answer. I think Job gets Job's answer because the people in receiving Job needed to hear that and it computed to them. And it computes differently to us now. But, you know, people lose faith for tons of reasons. You know, hypocrisy and bigotry are like the number one on people's list. Christians are hypocritical and they're, they hate gay people are like the main ones that people lose faith over. But also, how does, how do, why, does, why do bad things happen to good people? It's a big question. Especially for those of us that have been through suffering. When this question is not abstract... It's, it's potent. This is why on Good Friday, when we do Tenebrae, this, this, this uh, service of darkness, and we see Jesus die, we put Jesus in the tomb, we observe Mamie Till, the mother of Emmett Till, horrified that her son Emmett was killed. And we just suffer and feel the pain and feel the mystery and feel the confusion. The most senseless suffering is when we, you know, bury our own children. It is inconceivable to a parent to bury their own child. It's, 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 it's horrifying. Why would God let that happen? For an oppressed heir of immigrant with no power on her own, an all-powerful God is elemental. For a grieving mother, a victim of senseless violence and systemic injustice, an all-powerful and all-good God is not one she can follow. It's delicate. How do you keep your faith? Theology is in service to humans understanding God. We write theology, we do theology to understand God better, and we do it differently based on our context. Whether you're a grieving mother or a grieving wife or a oppressed queer person or a oppressed woman or person of color. And it's not all good because, you know, your context is like a, a white, rich male might also create some sort of theology you know, that is not great or something. But we don't always need just one answer. And holding that mystery is important. So Job's answer is nice. God's ways are more complicated than ours. I think that these both, as I approached them pastorally, were important. I didn't debate, I disagreed with my mother. But I didn't have a debate with her about it. Because what am I going to do? Tell her she's wrong, your theology is bad. No, that's yours, hold on to it. There's no other, she doesn't have no other solution. If that wasn't true, God wouldn't exist to her. But when I'm talking to Donna, my other friend's mom, what am I going to do too? The problem with evil, which is at the heart of the question at hand, is truly better 
a barrier for faith for many people looking to discover their own expression of faith, right? And there's some people that think God is in control of all sorts of things and some that can't quite get there. God is good is a foundational idea behind one newer theological strain. Freedom, God is good and we are free. God can reveal God's self only invitationally. God awaits our response and seeks to create the best from our choices. God knows everything, but God doesn't know the future or our choice because they haven't been realized yet. God is not outside time. God is co-eternal. God makes freedom possible and works in the world by continually by continual and universal self-revelation. God moves in us and we're in, we enact with God's goodness and love in the world. Different way of thinking about it altogether, different criteria. We work this out as we can in the context of understanding our own suffering. Suffering draws us closer to God who suffers with us. But there aren't clean answers to these questions. Why is there suffering at all in the world when it is not a theological question is just as challenging of a question to answer as why does God cause suffering? There's no good answer to it. You know, so you could have like, there's no sufficient answer to it. But rather than rigid theology shortened, shoehorned into a variety of contexts, why don't we develop a flexible theology that can adapt to a variety of contexts? Your answer to this question is literally as good as anybody else's answer. You have the freedom to explore and to consider and to adapt. I'm unsure that a calculated answer here is helpful, but I welcome, I welcome debate about that. Because some of us, here's the, here's, the, here's the complicated part. Some of us need a certain answer. And, and, and my answer is insufficient because it is not certain. And I would say it is okay for you to believe certainly. And to say this is exactly how God works. And you can just believe that I'm wrong. And that's okay too. Like my mother would definitely, definitely say I am wrong. I mean, it, this, I, 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 don't, I don't think I've told her this yet. I've told her some things that she already thinks I'm way wrong about. Like, I don't need to keep adding to the list. But she would definitely say I'm wrong. There's no question about it. You know? She has a very specific formation of her faith. You know, and I believe we can all change, you know, no matter what age we are, you know. 
no matter how hardened our synapses are, the pathways of our brain. I think we can change our mind. Is that true, Trisha? Can we all change our mind? Does it get harder later or no? Trisha's like a, knows a lot about neuroscience for some reason. And, we, and they become more well-worn as we live? Sure. Yeah. So you can hold the view that, hey, I, I think this, I think it's important to be certain, and I think you're wrong, Johnny. And I, well, I, I think that's okay, too. You know, I am adapting to this as I understand it. And I, I, I don't even know if I've revealed what I actually think yet, personally. I don't know how important that is. You could ask me if you want, but I'm not trying to teach you my thoughts about this. But just to explore the question, stretch it out a little bit. What's it mean? Oftentimes, though, people that have suffered a lot and that have found comfort in God have the strongest faith. And when we journey, we suffer together and we try to experience that pain, we can go through a lot. You know? Let's pray and do some talk back, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for this group and our connection and our life together. Give us your comfort and your peace as we think, think about hard things together but experience pain and suffering together too. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhopenet.